The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Tonight, the theme for anybody who has been here throughout the quarter, as you already know, is is belonging. Uh, last week, once again, we got to hear Janie reflect on this idea of belonging as reaching out in faith. Uh, and the story that she reflected on out of Luke 8, 8 showed us that there were people that were insiders that were, that were calling out and reaching out. There's people who were outsiders that, that came in faith. Uh, to reach out to a trusting, and it, they did so trusting that God would heal and redeem. And so we continue tonight this whole idea of, of belonging. And because we've been talking so much about belonging, I wanted to stop and take a, a, a few, uh, a few moments here to just clarify what is it that we're talking about when we, when we're talking about this, this idea of belonging. Because what I want to make sure that everybody is connecting with is, is that you, you probably sit here thinking, okay, I belong to a lot of different things. Many of you belong to a fraternity or sorority. Perhaps you belong to other clubs in your life, a swim club or a gymnastics club, a dance club, whatever it, it might be. You, you have been a part of things, uh, in the past. And so, and so you have an idea of what it means to, to belong. You also have an idea of walking into a place, and I'll say, I hope that, that for those of you that are, especially that are freshmen this year, that you've been able to come into this place and feel like, like I belong here because I feel welcomed here. I mean, these people have free tacos for me every week. Taco Tuesday legend, people. That's good stuff. I feel welcomed in that place, and that contributes to me having a sense of belonging. But, Belonging goes beyond welcoming as well. What I want us to begin connecting with is we, uh, we really finish our series next week. We're going to engage a little bit more around prayer, uh, next week, but that belonging is, is really a function of relationship. Belonging is when you gain from and give to in relationship. You see, it's not a one-way street. It's not merely, belonging is not merely you receiving. Belonging is when you are giving to and receiving from. And we do so in the context of relationships. So, so as we think about belonging, I, I want us to have, you know, kind of the bigger and frankly more active idea of what we're talking about in belonging. Because welcoming is a good thing, like I say, we're kind of going for it in this place to some degree, but it needs to be more active. At some point, those who have been welcomed need to become more active in doing exactly the same, in welcoming others. And that is really the heart of the text that we uh, are coming to tonight in Luke 10. Uh, Before we get started, let me pray for us. Lord, would you be our teacher tonight? Would you help us to understand uh, what it is uh, that you are calling us to? Would you help us to understand what it means to belong to you, uh, to belong in community, uh, to belong to each other? Just a little bit more as we come to your, your word tonight. Lord, we thank you that, that your text is, that your, your word is something that shakes us up. 
It doesn't allow us to merely dismiss us. And Lord, I pray that by your spirit tonight, you would not allow us to merely dismiss what we hear tonight, but that we would at the very least wrestle with it. So help us out as we, uh, as we read tonight. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as I said, we're going to share tonight out of Luke 10. And before we, we get into the words of Luke 10, what I want to tell you is that what precedes this is this great call to discipleship at the very end of Luke chapter 9, where Jesus is reminding uh, people that, that what it means to belong to Jesus is to follow Jesus. And the words that are at the end of chapter 9 there are Jesus not wanting anybody to be fooled. And if you haven't heard this, it's important that you, that you hear this tonight. Jesus doesn't want anybody fooled into thinking that if you follow Jesus, it makes your life easier or better. In fact, Jesus is very straight up in saying, no, actually, you may not have a place to lay your head. You belong to me. But it doesn't mean that that belonging is nice and cozy. Some of the time it might be. But most of the time, I would argue that it's not. For those of you that, uh, that have read a book uh, from Shane Claiborne called The Irresistible Revolution, there's a great chapter near the front of that book where Shane talks about Jesus wrecked my life. <laughs> and it was about his responding to, to what, it, what it really meant uh, to follow Jesus. And, and the book is, ends up being more of a story about that. So know that, that what precedes what we're about to read is Jesus being straight up with, pe- with people. Doesn't want anybody to be duped saying, you know, it's great to belong and we are part of this thing called the kingdom of God. We're brothers and sisters. We're part of a family. But the task ahead of us is one that if we participate in it is going to cause some bu- bumps and bruises and be a bit difficult. So here's what it says in Luke chapter 10. After this warning, this little speech, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others pretty large group, and sent them two by two ahead of, them, ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, I don't know if they prayed right there, but what we hear next is, go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. It's going to be hard. Oh, and as you go, don't take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If the head of the house loves peace, your peace will rest on that house. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give to you, for workers deserve their their wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning, as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, and this is good news. This is good news right here. The kingdom of God has come near to you. I tell you that it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. All right. This, one of the first questions I would ask you is where, where do you see yourself in that text? 
is I met with the in-speaking team this week, a group of students that we meet with in, in preparing our messages. Is it interesting to hear the different places and, and the different characters in the story that that group identified with? Some felt like, oh, I think I might be among the 72. That sounds pretty adventurous. Others in, in the group felt like, you know, that's pretty intimidating. In fact, this whole task seems... It seems like it would be a bit over my head. I, I'm not sure I would do it. Others saw themselves as those who might welcome those who were coming into their house and saying, peace, can I stay here? Where do you locate yourself in this very dynamic story where there is good news being proclaimed here? The kingdom of God is near. The whole point in going out here is saying that the harvest is plentiful. We want to get more people coming to the party. This is, this is good news. Yet, not everybody is going to accept that invitation. And in fact, it's not even your responsibility to make them accept. Your job is to go. These 72 sent out. Their job is to go and ask people, hey, can I, can I do some couch surfing here? I have something I, I want to share with you. I, want to, I have an invitation I want to give to you. And they're going to enjoy the hospitality of, of those houses. They're going to stay in one place. They're going to get to know somebody. They're not just going to merely jump from house to house until they find exactly what they want. But hopefully what you're picturing here is that these people, these 72, as this text tells us, who are somehow with Jesus, this big group. When we see the same story in Matthew's gospel, we only see, it only just talks about the 12. But Luke wants us to see, you know what, that there was, there was this bigger group that was also close enough to Jesus to get instructions, to be those that he said, you know what, y'all belong to me. Y'all 72 are here, and, and now uh, I'm going to send you out on a little adventure because... There's more than just you that belong to me. So go. Go out. Don't take a whole bunch because you're not going to need a whole bunch. Pronounce peace in the house. Surf some couches. Whatever they put in front of you, man, bon appetit. Eat it and enjoy. So where do we go with this? What does this mean? What does this mean for us? Just a few reflections tonight as we continue thinking about what it means to really belong and to experience that as people seeking after Jesus. First is this. Clearly, as I understand this, is Jesus calling us to a risk outside of our very own holy huddle. You know, isn't it, isn't it interesting, perhaps, that as people, as, as people are getting to know Jesus, it seems pretty interesting that one of the things that could have been on the table is, let's just, let's just get everybody together, let's get people that we like, and then go kind of sequester ourselves someplace and make it as difficult as we can for people to get in. We'll create this little community, this, this kind of commune that we really like and and we'll say that that's where the kingdom of God is going to be. Perhaps that sounds familiar to you. I think that this is one of the great temptations of Christian community. That, that we, we find a place where, oh, yes, I do belong here. And this does 
feel good. I fit in. I'm liked. I like the food they serve here. I like what we do. It totally fits my preferences. Let's, let's just, let's make this happen and, and keep it our own little deal. A holy huddle. And Jesus is clearly calling us beyond our temptation to just gather in our little holy huddles. Uh, there's a, there's a, uh, I don't know what he, he's, I guess he's a blogger. John A. Cuff. Uh, some of you guys may have heard that this before, has this blog that now has over a thousand items of things that he has observed stuff Christians like. Okay, stuff Christians like it really describes what we're talking about when we're talking about the holy huddle. We're talking about that circle where it's really cool for somebody to, you know, to give the excuse of, you know, I, I don't, I feel like God's calling me out of this relationship. Okay, perhaps some of you have, have heard where it's really cool, um, you know, for somebody to say, oh, yeah, well, you know, she's dating God instead of me right now. I, you know, how can you argue with that? Okay, others, you know, this is this is a great one. I answered that I, I get pushed on this all the time. Getting a precise definition of virgin from your pastor. Okay, or perhaps uh, perhaps this happens. I know it would never happen in a you men core group, but I, I sadly have been a, a part of circles where you disguise gossip as prayer. Oh, oh, we need to pray for this. And it's like, oh, whoa, that's going on in somebody's life. Whatever. Come on. You've done it before. OK, there's over a thousand things now that Acuff throws in there as as things that define that, that can be characteristic of the holy huddle. Now, it's easy for us to look at these things and go, and go, yeah, that's exactly right. I do not want that to be what defines my little community. It needs to be more than that. And so what Jesus is beginning to show us here is that the, the journey as one who belongs to and follows God is quite dynamic. We go out as lambs among wolves. The second one is, is this, to take a risk, risk as those who are equipped. The invitation that Jesus sent everybody with is the kingdom of God is near. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. There's plenty of room at the party and not enough people to give invitations. Go out and give these great invitations. Now, as intimidating as this task sounds, and when we read the text, there's, there's no doubt that, again, Jesus doesn't want anybody uh, to be fooled. But honestly, when, when I thought about this, I don't know what my deal is tonight, you know, and some of the things I'm picking. But again, I came back to this, this whole idea of dating, you know, and Everybody always wants to know about biblical dating, and, and I, I had this thought of, of what would it be like to, if this is like dating, to be like, the Ryan Church has come near to you. And I want to date you, because I am one cool dude, or what, you know, whatever. I didn't actually try that. One, one strategy that I did try when I, uh, back when, when I was a dater, and I like to say that when I was in college, I, I was a dater. I, I liked it. I liked that scene. But, in order, in order for me to, to really, to really get fired up, because like, like anybody else, certainly like any other dude, the thought of rejection was, was a little bit intimidating to me. Uh, and so, some of you guys have heard me talk about this before. Me and, and one of my roommates in the fraternity, uh, we, we would have these contests. 
about it, what we, it was what we called, we just called it the rejection theory. And the whole idea, like before a, you know, a dance or grab a date or whatever, would be that, that we would set a number of rejections that we were actually going for. You know, so the, the idea would be like, okay, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to, I'm going to ask this girl that's like, you know, way over my head. That's, you know, in my sight class and whatever, you know, come back to, to lunch after class that one morning. And, and I'm like, dude, A-Rose got my first rejection. You know, it's like, oh yeah, dude, that's so sweet. You're well on your way to seven. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. You know, I come back from class in the afternoon to dinner. A-Rose, dude, girl, my comm class. Rejection number two, dude, nice job. That's what I'm talking about. You know, and he's already mashed up like four at this point. Okay, you know, and then, you know, you know, sure enough, you know, A-Rose would be coming back to the, the house at lunch one day and he'd be looking all downcast. You know, I'd be like, I'd be like, dude, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm like, did she say no again? He's like, no, I got to number five and number six said yes. <laughs> I can't believe it. Okay, giving invitations without the fear of rejection. That was the benefit of the, of the rejection theory for us. It got us inviting people that we wouldn't normally invite. And in some ways, it's what I see happening in this text. Go. You don't have to be the one that gives the sales pitch on this. What Jesus is calling the 72 to do and the legacy that I think we inherit in this is, is those who belong are merely to go give great invitations to others on you can belong too. You do not have to be the religious salesman in this. Ultimately, if there is, and, and Luke kind of helps us out with, with this at the, at the end of, of chapter 10, and given that he wrote Acts and, and knows what happens with the Holy Spirit, he can kind of see ahead of this. But ultimately, it is not anybody's, it's not any of our jobs to get anyone to accept the invitation. We often think that this is my responsibility. We might even think uh, that that... Uh, we're being somehow graded on this, or that there will be a prize for the person that gets the most RSVPs. That isn't it. This invitation is not about you. This invitation is about God's good pleasure. It's the end of, of, of Luke chapter 10 says it's God's good pleasure to give ones like these the kingdom. That's good news. And anyone who accepts is going to be led there by the Spirit. It's not your job to get them to accept it. Notice that even when he says, when, when you are not welcomed into a village, when you're not welcomed into a home, you are to knock the dust from your sandals and give what? A warning. The way that I hear that is say, you know what? Just leave them be with exactly what it is they want. You're leaving the dust of the ground right there saying, if this is what you want, this is, this is what, what you got. And I'm going to give that to you. And I think that's exactly what happened in the Old Testament story of Sodom that's, that's referred to at, at the end of this passage. I'm not going to explain that right now. I'll let you go read about it in Genesis. But he's, when he says, shake the dust, he's saying, just let them have exactly what they want. But what are you to do? You are to give great invitations. Notice what you're not to do. You are not to be the one who judges. That job is left up to God. 
That's the Lord's job to judge. You can give a warning and you can give great invitations about the kingdom of God is near. But you are not to judge. You see, salvation belongs to our God. For those of you who who have uh, perhaps been in a church or ever come across a church where they are saying, this is who is in and this is who is out. There's a pastor in front of you that's saying that. I want you to look at that with with a, a critical eye. Because I don't get the right to stand up here and say, these people are in and these people are out. What I do have the right to do is get up in front of you and say, you all, every one of you are invited. The kingdom of God is near. And for those of you that accept that invitation, and yes, you believe that, you are invited to give the same invitation. What you are not to do is be the one who condemns. That's left up to God. Finally, the way that I would say this, risk looking stupid asking for help. Isn't one of the best parts of this passage that Jesus does not send them out alone? You go two by two. You have to go and find a place to stay. You need to go and eat whatever they give you. Now, that's a big deal, by the way. The reason it's a big deal is that for those of, of a Jewish or Hebrew background that might have been among that, there were certain things that they would not be allowed to eat as they went out across the region there. And what Jesus is saying is, you know what? Don't be concerned about if if what they put in front of you is clean or unclean. You just throw down whatever it is that they put in front of you. You see, what we're talking about on this last point is, is really about getting over ourselves. The 72 had to get over their own preferences of what might have been comfortable or tasted good. And accept the hospitality. What a great word for us as well. We need to to get over our own sense of of what our options are. We spend a tremendous amount of time trying to trying to keep our options keep our options open and instead accept the hospitality that people want to give us. And especially when what that hospitality is is the provision of God. Go and ask for help. There is no other way to do this. In fact, those of you who have been on mission trips, you have an idea about what I'm talking about. Back in, in 1998, kind of throw my cards on the table, I got to go on, uh, yes, I'm, I'm 35. Uh, and I'm, I'll tell you, I'll be 36 in December. Okay, there I said it, I'm old. Okay, so 1998, go on World Deputation. I got to go to this wonderful uh, place called the Republic of Haiti. And towards the end of our trip, we were spending time up in the northwest part of the country doing a VBS there. And and one of the, I don't know if anybody else does this on mission trips, but the, the place where I try to practice the local dialect, the local language, is actually on animals. Okay, Animals are always so gentle in the way that they respond to you when you butcher your Spanish or in this place Creole. You know, sometimes they can teach you a little bit. I love making animal sounds in other languages. It's great stuff. And... We're in this one place, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and over the course of this week, I developed this awesome, awesome relationship with this goat that was tied up out back. You know, really, really good goat, you know. Had these really pretty eyes. They were kind of sideways, you know. 
And, uh, you know, as we're finishing up the time there, we, we sit down, uh, we sit down for, for lunch one day and, you know, uh, we got one meal a day at, at, at this particular place. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit famished. We sit, we sit down and I'm, you know, I'm mowing away. I'm like, oh man, you know, what is this? And they're like, oh, you know, it's, it's goat. And I'm, and I'm like, hold on. Which goat? And they're like, oh, the one that was tied, tied up right behind the sanctuary. In that moment, I realized I was eating my friend. Okay? (laughs) But I was being faithful to what was put before me, doggone it. All that to say, what we're seeing in this text... What we're seeing Jesus do in saying, I'm going to take these 72 that belong to me and send them out is to say, following me is hard. And it is not going to be this static experience. It is going to be this very active experience because ultimately what Jesus wants you to see is that I want to be in relationship with you. I'm going to work in and through you. I'm going to use you to to give great invitations and to bring others to the party. And in order for you to really understand how real I am, says the Lord, you're going to need to go out. Because if you just stay here in your little holy huddle, keeping your options open and doing only what you prefer and what is comfortable for you, you're never going to discover how much bigger and how much more faithful and how much more God provides than if you go out with the simple message that the kingdom of God is near. You see, Jesus isn't interested in allowing us to just continue to do what we've always done and be okay with that. Too often when we see that, people find this incredible way to somehow justify their behaviors and their feelings in any given moment. And that was a road that I was headed down. Till about the middle of my sophomore year, living at, uh, at a fraternity about a, a block from here, and... After, after a night that was particularly rough and a season that was particularly rough where there was, where, where I was kind of indifferent towards sin, there was a, a, a friend of mine, um, also in the house. And, and, and mind you, I was coming to the inn semi-regularly at this, at this point in my college journey. And there was a, a buddy of mine who, who also came here that wrote me, a, wrote me a letter that I found on my, on my desk after, after class the following day. And I don't remember everything that that letter said, but I do remember this, that, that this letter said, you know, church, I think God has something better for us. One other person that said, I think God has something for us. Which led us to being, you know, a couple of guys that were ready to say, yeah, what, what does that mean? What does that mean for, for us? And, and we were both forced to wrestle with that. If we're going to say that we believe this, then what does that mean? It means that we needed to grow up a little bit. 
means that we needed to get over ourselves and whatever cool opportunity there was that, that presented itself in the moment for us to sin, whatever we somehow felt like doing, even though we had made a commitment over here, it, it meant that, that were we going to be committed as those that, that said, I think I believe this. And if that's true, it requires me to do, to respond differently. If we're going to say that we belong, then it means we set sail on something that is incredibly active and dynamic, that's going to force us beyond those things that we have learned to prefer in a culture that has taught us how to be consumers. And I'm talking to all of us here, including myself. Do not think that you are somehow exempt from a consumerist mentality. I'm calling you tonight to, to pay attention to where do you, where do you gravitate toward what, what is too comfortable or what is very comfortable and away from the activity, from the dynamics that God is calling you to. To perhaps go and share a message to a friend that needs to hear. You're invited. The kingdom of God is so near. There's no travel required to accept this invitation. You don't have to get dressed up. Just go give a great invitation. And don't worry about being rejected. Get over yourself and give the invitation. And if you get rejected, it's all right. You still belong. So let's, let's join in this legacy of being those who were sent out. Of looking for that dynamic journey that God is saying, when you step out on that journey, you will discover and know me and know my work through you more than you could ever ask or even imagine. Hop on that journey. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this. Thank you that your plan, your only, your, your one and only plan is to use us to give invitations. Uh, Lord, we confess that in so many ways this is scary. Uh, that uh, we confess the ways that, that, uh, in our being welcomed, we have not welcomed others. And so, Lord, would you stir up in us the courage and the desire to be those that are willing to go out two by two, not alone, with others, with your spirit, with your help. Lord, we want to know you more. And thank you for the invitation that you give us for inviting us to belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen.